What's going on, guys? Captain Carlos here with Marea Gear. Uh, sorry it's been a little while since I've been on the podcast. Just it seems like every day is getting busier and busier, man. Just, you know, busy with family. Um, we actually just got done with the Stuart Boat Show. Went awesome. Met a lot of really cool and interesting people there. Shared a lot of great stories. Um, even, you know, got signed up some new members to our tribe and what we're doing, you know, with the baits here at Marea. Uh, but today I wanted to talk to you guys about wintertime fishing for snook and tarpon with like some finesse tactics, so to speak. So how to get these fish to bite um, and how you can chase them in the wintertime. It's not just a summer and spring and fall thing. So without further ado, we'll dive right into it. So I've been chasing these things since I was a kid. Uh, I haven't really stopped. Obviously, having kids and a family slowed me down a little bit, but whenever I get a chance, I still target them, you know, just, just for fun because it's one of the, the most challenging and most, um, I guess, rewarding species out there. So snook and tarpon typically, um, you know, can be can be targeted, like I mentioned earlier, in the warmer months of the year. However, it's not really the case down here, especially in South Florida, because the, the water temperatures enable us to really chase these fish for the most part year round. And in the wintertime, it's just something that people don't really do too much. The guys that know, know <laughs> that it's probably the best time to target them just because the, the fish are lazy. So as long as you present everything correctly and properly, you know, you can get them to bite and you can have an epic day on the water. Like legitly, it's crazy. Um, I've had some of my best times like fishing the Everglades or Chukalusky um, and chasing a lot of tarpon and snook with smaller baits, really downsizing your presentation and the bait because that's what they're going to be eating in the wintertime. They're not eating a, you know, a, a pound mullet like they would be in the fall. Um, they're eating small minnows. They're eating shrimp. They're eating little crabs, you know, stuff like that, mud minnows. So anything that you can kind of match that hatch, you're, you're going to be golden. Um, that's going to be your first key is just downsizing your bait. Now, as far as the tackle you're going to need, Obviously, you want to use tackle that you can launch small stuff with very easily and very fluidly. So usually it's a three to four thousand size spinning reel. I like Daiwa, as you guys that have heard the podcast before. I'm a big Daiwa fan. Shimano makes some good stuff too. Um, Pen, you know, with their slammer, that's not a bad reel either. But for me, it's the BG all the way. You can't go wrong with it. Uh, or a Saltiga if you got that, those kind of bucks. But um, yeah, three to four thousand size spinning reel. You're gonna load it with ten pound braided lines. You don't need anything heavier, honestly, because ten pound, the breaking strength on that is over, usually over twenty pounds. So that's a lot of pressure that you can put on a fish, even a fish up to you know 50, 80 pounds, um, enough to get a good bite and dig in with the hook, no problem. Um, I'm gonna usually use three to four foot section of leader okay um i like fluorocarbon i'm a big fan of it reason being it's just it is stiffer you know and it's got a little more abrasion resistance the invisibility thing helps too you know um meaning you know when you're in clear water or you're fishing an incoming tide and the fish are really spooky it might make a difference um i've been a big fan lately of this afco i think it's called psycho uh, fluorocarbon or Seiko. It's 
Japanese fluorocarbon, they have it dialed in pretty good. Uh, I think it's available anywhere from like 10 to 100 pound. So, you know, pretty much meets all my needs and good stuff. Ties really easy, cinches down nice. I haven't had any issues with it yet. So I recommend it. Um, as far as the line, the braided line itself, I'm a big fan of the Daiwa J braid. Have always been uh, since it came out. I use it a lot for slow pitch jigging offshore, but I've I've used it inshore a lot for redfish, trout, snook, triple tail, tarpon, you, you name it. Um, it doesn't lose its color or the dyeing process that they use. I feel like they've dialed it in better than most. So, yeah, and it's it's super slick and it ties really nice. So the Daiwa J braid can't go wrong with it. Um, Ten pound. You know, that's really all you need, 10 to 15 pound. And then I'm using an either a PR knot. Uh, you can use a double uni and just double up the line. That works too. Or the FG. That's kind of like one of the, the standards. Whatever you do, just make sure that, you you know, your knot cinches down nice and you got a nice solid connection. No swivels, you know, not for these fish. They get, they get spooky with the, the weirdest things. So... Um, and then I'm usually just throwing a, a little loop knot on the end, like a Rapala knot that's connected to the lure, whatever lure I'm, I'm throwing. 90% of the time, it's probably going to be our manic minnow twitch bait, just because in the winter time, like I said, these fish get very, very lazy. They're lethargic. Water temperature is still low. Um, they'll eat, but you got to literally get that lure within a foot foot and a half of that fish's face otherwise they're they're not going to move okay and you got to work it slow so i would suggest um before you go fishing if if you go out with the family one day and you're 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 fishing kind of or you're checking out the waters that you want to be fishing if you can go out on a low tide to kind of see where you, you might find some like potholes or deep cuts um with quick access you know, to good tidal flow and, and some bait, you know, and, and maybe some birds or any form of life, that's where the fish are going to be. Okay. Uh, usually back up river, you'll find a lot of them, you know, when, when you get a flood tide and I would be, I would want to really be fishing the flood tide for the most part, like the, the first of the incoming, um, or really the, the whole incoming, they're just going to stage up at certain areas throughout the course of the tide. So, you know, every hour, hour and a half, if you're not getting bit, then move, you know, maybe further up, up river, more in the back country. That's probably some of the best advice I can give you. You know, that's what I've done for many years. Um, and it's worked out almost every time I've done it. And, and I have a lot of buddies that have a similar philosophy. So, you know, keep that in mind. <clears throat> as far as um, once you do locate the fish, another thing that, uh, that I could tell you is don't ever cast directly at the fish. Okay. You always want to cast past them. That's why I have... Um, kind of the setups that we have, you know, the, the 10 pound braided line, the 20 to maybe even 40 pound floral leader, the small little baits. And then I'm usually throwing like a seven foot, 10 to 17 pound uh, spinning rod. That's got a lot of backbone, but a very soft tip and a fast action tip. Cause that helps a lot when you're chucking these baits. And 
getting the precision that you need to get tight to the mangroves or, you know, a, a tree stump or whatever, you know, anywhere the, the structure may be. Focus a lot on the points, um, any points around mangrove islands, oyster bars, stuff like that. You'll find them there too, but with deep, uh, sorry, quick access to deep water. Okay, because that deeper water is where a lot of these fish are just kind of just be chilling there in the current waiting for stuff to come to them. Um, talk about efficiency. I mean, these bigger fish are very efficient predators. And if they can use the tide to their advantage, they're going to do it. Okay. Um, if you can make longer cast, you know, um, most guys are usually making cast 20 feet. I would recommend almost the double the distance practice, practice your casting guys. Cause a fish that you may not see because of that longer cast, you might get bit because he won't see you too. All right. So it's kind of, it works both ways. Yeah. You can, you can see them 90% of the time. They can also see you. So keep that in mind. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, as far as working the lures, I guess, let's let's talk about that for a second don't work them fast okay like like we said it's winter time these fish are lazy you literally have to work that bait and keep it in front of that fish in the strike zone as long as possible so sometimes you need to just really creep it when i'm throwing a small little paddle tail or swim bait along a deep hole I'm working it like just kind of creeping it or, or jigging it slowly along the bottom. That's usually how I get bit. Okay. If you're ripping it near the surface, it's not really the time for that. You know, <laughs> that's the time frame um, suited more towards, you know, spring, summertime, and the fall when the fish are more active and they're eating, you know, finger mullet and, and pilchards near the surface. Wintertime, not the case. Usually going to get bit deep. So fish deep, you know, along the bottom. Um, I feel like I covered just about everything I wanted to cover in a short period of time here. Um, if you felt like you learned something here, uh, please, you know, subscribe to this podcast. Give us a follow on, on Instagram, a like on Facebook. Check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. We've got a lot of cool videos that we're showing with uh, the tactics and the baits that we're, we're coming out with there, um, trying to give everybody here kind of a real approach, you know, to what we're doing with Marea. Uh, we appreciate your time so much, guys. Very blessed to be doing this. And, yeah, you know, again, thank you so much and God bless.